California to come in and visit us, and we're, yay, great to have her, um, and her boyfriend, Dorian, and uh, yeah, come on. Anyways, um, so it's been really busy, a couple of my grandchildren are sick, and we're getting the family together, and then the water heater decides to not work, and you got a house full of people. I mean, does that ever happen to you? Yeah. Oh, I, get, I mean, have you ever feel like, like if I didn't have bad luck, I would have no luck at all? Yeah. Now, some of you are connected to that old song. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what I call life. And I thought, and so, you know, I, I messed around with it. I called my famous uh, 911 plumber, BJ, but the guy has had a load of emergencies, and he's been such a help for me, and he works here at the church with us and things like that. And so I went down and messed with it. It's got this leak, and I, I, it, I got it the fire back up, and I was like, oh, praise God. Thank you. You know? And um, uh, so, you know, we got, we got it kind of going until this morning. Until this morning. I had to go back and sweet talk it again. Look, give me one more day. One more day, BJ's going to be here tomorrow, and you will be either replaced or re- regenerized or whatever. So um, anyways, uh, so this morning we have all kinds of things going on, and <laughs> I'm in there in the kitchen preparing a few things. we got all these things going on, and Lisa comes out and says, there's no hot water. All right. So it, we got it going, and I was really thankful about that. For our guests... You might be here this morning, you might be looking at that portrait right there and go, what in the world is that? That is a Rembrandt, a copy of a Rembrandt, and it is, (laughs) if it was a Rembrandt, trust me, we would not be here. (laughs) Um, But it's actually a rendition of Rembrandt's thinking of Luke 15, the prodigal child, Uh, and that and if you read Luke 15 and take a really good look at that, you'll go, oh, yeah, that's really cool. Um, and it's really been really uh, meaningful for me personally, and because uh, uh, I read a book on it by Henry Nowing, who is uh, passed on, and it just was so impacting. It's a short little book, maybe 60 pages. Uh, he's a pretty prolific writer. But Henry Nowing, he wrote all about just that one uh, uh, painting, and it really, this really stirred me. So uh, I want you to be stirred too. So there you go. There it is. That's probably the one thing I got to do in here, and I kind of did it without asking. There you go. <laughs> Anyways, uh, April 28th, my friend uh, Shannon Shire is going to be here. He's going to minister to us that morning, uh, the week after uh, Easter. And we'll also do an afternoon service at 5 o'clock. Uh, so he'll be with us twice. Uh, this guy is just an amazing man. Uh, I love him a lot. We've traveled a little bit together, spent some time together. Uh, uh, there's years there we spent a lot of time together. Uh, great musician, great uh, communicator of the gospel, and, and really uh, leans in to just uh, embracing what the Lord's doing in a moment. So uh, you won't want to miss that. And then, now, we're moving on. We're going through the book of 1 Corinthians, and we're in chapter 14. And um, uh, 
Jacob did a wonderful job last week uh, on unpacking chapter 13 for us. You remember chapter 12, we talked about the gifts, and we're moving right into in the very last verse in chapter 12. says, and there is a, more, a better way, or a more significant way, or leading right into chapter 13. So chapter 13 is right there, and it really just talks about uh, you know, defining love, the love of Jesus. And as you read through there, um, it, it defines what love truly is. And it, it's inspirational, it, it's, it's impactful, and it really describes everything that Jesus has done for you and I. Everything. I mean, one of my best ones is the fact that he doesn't register all my faults. How's that? Isn't that good? He loves me in spite of me. How that, who wants to be loved in spite of yourself? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't take a whole lot of believing. That's great, right? And that's who Jesus is. And that's why we have here, uh, we talk about, you know, loving God and loving people. So everything that, as we pay forward, and as we grow, and as we think about the Word, as we think about going through Corinthians, which was a very... Um, a church that was very risky. They did a lot, of, a lot of stuff that was weird. But we'll talk a little bit about that. So because of the way the morning's going, I'm going to go ahead and take our offering right now, what I believe that God wants to do. And if you're guests with us, please don't you know, feel obligated. This is kind of the best way we figured out how to... to we're, we're a member-supported uh, member church, and so uh, our uh, ushers are going to come right now. We're going to collect it, and that's a really good time to put the Connect card in. So if you're a guest with us, go ahead and put your Connect card in, or if you, you've checked off any of the bo- boxes there, please put that in the offering right now. And here they come. Okay. We also have an online option at oasisvineyard.org. Uh, it goes to our website, and it's on, we do a simple, simple give. Uh, and I, I want to go, and I also want to say how much I appreciate uh, your faithfulness, your generosity. I know that uh, when it comes to finances in today's world, it can be quite challenging. So I just want to say how much I appreciate uh, your willingness and your faithfulness. So as we think about 1 Corinthians 14, as we just build up to it, you know, Paul starts off by saying, um, let love be the highest goal. Let love be the highest goal. Now he's referring to chapter 13 as he is talking. Let that love be your highest goal. But you should also desire special abilities that the Spirit gives, especially the spirit of prophecy. Now, before I go too much further, when you, especially in this, this community, when you think of prophecy or the prophet, you're taught, you're, most of the time, if you've been raised in the LDS uh, church setting, you're thinking of a person that's been selected by God to speak to you on behalf of God. And in the Old Testament, that would be true. Uh, the way, way Paul is using prophecy here is a word of encouragement 
to those in the community of the, uh, of the body of Christ and also those outside. This is what God has for you. So it's not the same as Isaiah. It's not the same as Jeremiah. It's not the same as Habakkuk or, or even some of what we call the minor prophets. Speaking on behalf of God for the people. Uh, so thus, in our context, we do not use language like, thus saith the Lord. You don't hear that around us. What you hear is, this is what I believe the Lord could be saying to you. Or this is what I sense God is saying to you. And the idea, and this, this is a gift. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to jump a little bit ahead. It would be to God. It would be for the blessing of the body that all of you would prophesy. So it's not, it's not the old mantle, uh, the old uh, Old Testament mantle. It is a move of the Spirit that comes on a person and talks to another person to edify them, to encourage them. Um, so we'll add, and unpack this as we move forward. Verse 2, For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but will not. But it will all be a mystery. Now, so Paul's talking about two gifts here. He's talking about the gift of tongues, which if you read Acts 2, that you'll understand what he's talking about. It's that gift that, it's, that, that you speak to God. It's, uh, like I said la- last time, not last week, the week before, one day I'm going to go to an international airport, and I'm just going to start speaking in tongues and see who answers me. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. I keep thinking it. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> now, don't laugh at me. It's not fun. You might make me nervous. But he goes on in verse three. He says, "But who he who prophesies strengthens others and encourages them." Depending on your translation, it's the word encouragement or edifies that person. The person that edifies. The person that prophesies to that person is edifying them. That's really a key. In other words, you're loving on them. You're coming with a word of encouragement. The strength in others, you encourage them and comfort them. A person who speaks in tongues is strength, strengthens personally, but the one who spe- speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the whole, on, the whole entire church. Now, there's a lot of uh, understanding of how prophecy works in a lot of different denominations. There are those out there, and I'm not here to try to correct the body of Christ in any way, uh, that, uh, that believes this only exists on, on the ability to expound the Word of God in such a way that is very impactful, which I would not really argue with, but that's not what Paul is saying here, Right? Paul's saying here that there, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's movement. Where the presence of God is, there is movement. And um, 
Yeah, his presence is here. He is here for you and he's here for me. He's here to speak to us. He speaks to us through the worship. Sometimes the worship songs are so impactful to me. I, I just sit there and I, I sing some of those words and I just go, oh God, I would just really like to live that way. That they wouldn't be just, you know, beautiful, poetic words, but they'd actually be the reality of my life. You know, that they would be real for me and, and not... And, and life-changing for me, amen? So, um, so, going on, it says, I wish you could all, in verse 5, it says, I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could prophesy. Now, what was going on in Corinth as Paul is writing? He gets some, he gets some people coming and communicating to him, and this is what's going on in church life. And they would have communion, they used wine, and they would overindulge. In other words, they'd get a little one or two sheets to the wind at the communion table. Then they would begin to prophesy and speak in tongues, and it was pandemonium. So Paul is bringing correction to what was going on in the church in Corinth. He wasn't saying what you were doing was wrong. Is what he's saying how you're doing it is wrong. He wasn't saying stop prophesying or stop speaking in tongues, but he was bringing a word of incorrection. This is how the house of the Lord should. This is what takes place in the house of the Lord. This is what takes place in the community of God. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about tongues. I really want to focus on prophecy and I really, I really want to, um, um, I really hope God shows up. Let's put it that way. Um, but in the church meeting, excuse me, I didn't finish this. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets that you are say, what you are saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. In other words, if somebody gets up and speaks in an unknown language, that needs to be interpreted. And that's how the Spirit of God works, where somebody will just speak up and start speaking in tongues, and then we'll, we stop, and we say, okay, let's wait and see if that'll be interpreted. And that would be a word for the community. That's how that would work. Um, I think in the midst of the church, I've, I've grown up in these settings. Uh, as a young Christian, it was going on all the time, uh, and and, and it was very, I thought it was very healthy. But it does make us uncomfortable. And we all know we want to be uncomfortable in church, right? Right? I mean, I'm not being sarcastic. <laughs> we, we want to be comfortable. And the, the, the dynamic with that is that when God shows up, and when the Holy Spirit begins to move, we're not going to be comfortable. It's just, it's just part of the deal. Um, but I, as Paul was saying here, there is a way that the Spirit moves, and we, meet, we need to be in tune to that. So he goes on. Let's jump down to verse 18. 
He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you, but in the church meeting, I would, ra- I would rather speak five words, five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. Five words that would be encouraging. Five words that would be edifying. Let's jump down to verse, that's on there twice, 26 and 27. Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, you will sing. You will sing. One another will teach. One another will teach. Another will tell some special revelation that God's given him. One will speak in tongues. Another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. Now, that is a word of love. What everything gets done needs to strengthen us all. It needs to be a blessing to each and every one of us. That's, what, that's the key what Paul is trying to say here. He's trying to say that this is very important to the body of Christ and that all of us... need to be willing to be used by God. Let's say it that way. We all need to be willing to be words. Now, verse 27. No more than two and three, no more than two and three should speak in tongues. They must speak at one time, and another one must interpret what they say. But no one, but no one is present who can interpret, then you must stay silent. In other words, if there's no interpretation of tongues, keep it to yourself. Now, I've had people come to me in times past and say, Daryl, I don't, I don't hear you know, tongues in the midst of the church service. And I say, yeah, I, I understand that. It's not that we're, we're against it, but we want to honor the word of God. And our gift mix in the life of our church is more prophetic. We're more of a prophetic community. Uh, we're more, uh, you might not know it, but it, it happens a lot. In, in private settings and connect groups and things like that. God could be using you in a prophetic unction and you're just, you're just thinking that you're trying to encourage somebody and it's actually the Spirit of God speaking through you. You, you just haven't realized it yet. Or you just haven't realized the fact that that might be something that God has for you and, uh, because it, it feels like it comes with such a load of responsibility. Are you having fun yet? Okay, so he goes on. Let two or three people prophesy and let the others evaluate what what is said. In other words, there's checks and balances here. But if someone is prophesying, another person receives a revelation from the Lord, the one who is speaking must stop. And in that way, all the prophecies will have a turn to speak. All those who are prophesying, excuse me, will have a turn to speak, and one and and one after the other, so that everyone will learn and be encouraged. Remember that people who are prophesying are in control of their spirit and can take turns. That's important. That is important. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. 
and as in all the meetings of God, a holy people. A meeting of peace and a meeting of, of being a holy people. And then Thessalonians says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit, do not scoff at prophecy, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. In my own personal journey, I'm going to give you a quick little testimony here. Um, with my relationship with Bill Lynch, who is a missionary and somebody I've known for 40 years, I've, I came to know about some prophetic voices in the Midwest. And, uh, and he was excited about it, and I'm th sitting there thinking about it, and I'm going, okay. But I felt like one night I was at a prayer meeting, and I felt like the Lord said, I want you to go see this guy. I went, really? Yeah, I want you to go see him. So I was able to talk to this person on the phone, and I said, look, I, I believe I'm supposed to come see you. And he said, well, you need to come to this conference. And I'm going, okay, if I come to the conference, will I see you? Because I know how those conferences work. And, uh, and he goes, nope, I'll make sure that you and I connect. I said, okay. And, uh, and in the midst of all of that, I just said, okay. And this was, you know, months out and stuff like that. And I'm driving home with Lisa and the kids from California from visiting my mom. And I, was, I can tell you as if it was yesterday. I was driving through Barstow. Heading to Vegas. And the Lord said, I thought I told you to do something. I went, what? Like, I was like, what? What did you tell me to do? He goes, I thought I told you to go see this guy. I went, you did, didn't you? And the Lord said, yeah. So I got back, went back and saw that the conference was still on, contacted them again, and I went. And I, I went from here into Kansas City. And I went to this conference, and it, and it was a fast-growing church that was in this um, uh, indoor uh, soccer arena that they were converting to a, a, a sanctuary a building, and there was probably a 1,000 people there. One of the highlights of me being there was I actually heard Leonard Ravenhill speak. Now, many of you might not know who he was, but he was a fiery Pentecostal preacher. And I had read a couple of his books, and he was just as fiery as he was in his books. And I thought, when I was sitting there listening to Leonard Ravenhill, I thought, this is it. This is the gift to me, you know, because he, he was such um, a mentor in the way of me reading his books. And, I mean, I, he just got me excited and got me going about God. So, anyways, I had this appointment with two prophetic guys, one of them being that guy I was telling you about, and I sat down and they read my mail. They just read my mail. I mean, I was, I was in tears. And what it, what it was is they began to say things, what God was saying to me, that only came out of my personal prayer life. And that's what really hooked me. I'm going, how did you know that? And going there, I'm sitting there going, I don't even know if I believe this is real. On the way there, I'm going, I, I mean, I got big question marks. You know, I'm going, I don't know about this stuff. Just, just, I mean, just laid me down. And I went, I was just dumbfounded. And uh, so they recorded it, and the, the recording didn't record, so I just got, I just kind of live it by the Spirit of God. Anyways, that was my first real 
real encounter with uh, the understanding of the word of prophecy and the way of encouragement, a way of, of just being lifted up. So I'm in a lot of tension because I'm here right now, and we just read that the, the, Paul said the Lord gives the spirit of prophecy to the community of the church. I have the gift. I do it. And I'm going, but my comfort zone is this. Normally God speaks to me and I write things down about people before I get there. And he said, no, this is, this is going to be me in the moment. And I said, well, Lord, that makes me really nervous. And I said, no, nope, it's going to be me in the, in the moment, and I want you, and maybe a couple others, to, to minister to the community. Well, can you give me a couple of names first to make me feel better about this? <laughs> no. So I want you to know, I, we had a pastor's meeting here this week, and I said, I'm going to practice. I said, and I said, Lord, I want you to give me a word for every one of the pastors. And I'll be darned, he did. And they were just like, how'd you know that? So I felt a little more comfortable coming in this morning. So you got to start somewhere. So the minute I began knowing that we were going to have to take the book and live it, I started, I, I mean, it's been a rough week for me. For one, uh, my gift, the way my gift works is I'm really better when I put my hands on somebody and pray for them personally. That's where I, I thrive the best. This kind of setting, not the best for me. Uh, but it happens from time to time. Uh, but I'm more comfortable doing it the other way. But at the beginning,